0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, A Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Craig F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today's date is February 18th, 2020, um, and it's a t- Tuesday today. Today, we're reading from the big book, and we're going to be on page 90, and we're going to do the fourth paragraph that starts, if he does not want to see you. Um, Today's readers are Lou B. for The Steps, Phyllis D. for The Traditions, Nancy P., Aaron M., and Renee A., Big Book readers, the newcomer readers Naomi B., and the host of The Second hour is Leslie M. And um, I guess I should have said that the traditions will be Renee A. today. Um, the uh, reference numbers for yesterday, February 17th, for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting, 14129, and for the 10 a.m. meeting yesterday, 14131. OAS preamble: Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. <coughs> Excuse me. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive overeating, compulsive eating, and the compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA. To those who still suffer our sole purpose always fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose and that's to carry its message to, to the compulsive overeater who still suffers at a vision for you big book study our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of overeaters anonymous I'm now going to ask Lou B. to read the 12 steps. Lou?
1: Uh, Good morning, Craig. This is Lou B. of Recovered in Texas. Here are the steps we took which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. 6 were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. I pass.
0: All right, thank you very much. Next, we're going to have Renee A. read our the Twelve Traditions. Renee.
2: Good morning. This is Renee A. Recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The Twelve Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks, I pass.
0: Thank you very much, Renee. I appreciate stepping up. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature then stop and share on what was read. Anybody can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overreaders only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that you share that your sh- that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we are resume our study of the Big Book on page 90, the fourth paragraph that begins, If He Does Not Want to See You. Um, I'm now going to ask uh, Nancy P. Or no, yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, Nancy P. to begin our reading. Nancy?
3: Hi, Craig. Good morning. Uh, This is Nancy P. from West Newton, Massachusetts. If he does not want to see you, never force yourself upon him. Neither should the family hysterically plead with him to do anything, nor should they tell him much about you. They should wait for the end of his next drinking bout. You might place this book where he can see it in the interval. Here, no specific rule can be given. The family must decide these things but urge them not to be over anxious, for that might spoil matters. Um, Craig, if you could time me, that would be good. Um, so this part of step 12 is, or, you know, these last, these paragraphs are, you know, sort of how to approach and get, you know, start to talk about the message. And, you know, when I went through these steps with my sponsor, at this point in, in, the steps she said this is where you are clear about what you offer and what you do not offer so I'm not a diet buddy I'm not a life coach Um, you know I am a teacher of the steps and I do that um, to help other people but ultimately I do it to to help myself because that's the only way that I can stay fixed you know stay recovered Um, and I love the word hysterically because I when I you know, before I came, before I recovered, um, I had just eaten a dozen donuts. My teeth were sticky, were caked with donut crumbs. My hands were sticky. My steer, and Of course, in my car, my steering wheel was sticky, crumbs everywhere, stains on my clothes. And um, that's when I was ready to hear the message. But from 1971 until 2017, that's 47 years. Before then, between those two dates, I wasn't ready to surrender. And um, so I couldn't hear, you know, I couldn't find out, I couldn't understand. I couldn't hear, I couldn't find out, I couldn't understand any of the solution. And, um, you know, it's tempting sometimes, you you know, with all the fire of a convert, for me to run up to people and say, oh my God, you have to do this thing my way because that's, you know, I'm as sick as anybody has ever been in this program and I know the answer. And, um, but that's not going to work. And this whole paragraph to me is another way of an exercise of letting go and letting my higher power speak for me. I don't, um, I remember once I was at a meeting at, um, one of these, uh, you know, holiday marathons that they give in my area. And, um, someone was crying to somebody else and they said, what, what should I do? And they said, Oh, talk to, you know, this other woman, she's strong. And I thought, I don't, I don't think that's the answer, even though, uh, what do I know? You know, it didn't, I didn't feel like that sounded like it wouldn't have worked with me is what I'm saying. And, um, you know, I don't, all I know is my experience. Like I know that I couldn't stop eating. I know that I tried to run outrun my the particular catastrophe that brought me to surrender I tried to outrun that by eating and I couldn't and I tried pretty hard with a lot of food and that didn't work. And, you know, today when I um, talk to sponsees, I'm pretty clear. I don't negotiate and I know what I offer and I know what I don't. And, um, you know, this past week I had been, or a couple, you know, two weeks ago or whatever I had um, finished with two sponsees, so I was looking for sponsees and, A couple of women called me and, you know, I went through the exercise that I do and I, you know, they started to talk about, you know, their trigger foods and and they wanted to split hairs. And I, I had to call my sponsor to confirm that I don't negotiate, you know, that I don't say you can have this kind of pasta but not that kind of pasta. Like I don't, you know, I just don't do that. This is what I offer. And when I go through the steps, this is how, you know, you do all the reading, I do all the talking and that's that's sort of how i i you know run my ship and um they're either ready for it or they're not yes thanks craig they're either ready for it or not but the point the end of it is that i'm i stay i stay recovered and that's in the end that's what this book tells me that i'll get if i follow the rules precisely which i've done and with that i'll pass thank you for letting me share
0: okay thank you very much for your share and your service um Okay, if you haven't shared in the last couple of days, um, um, we invite you now to, to put your name forward and, and and share. So, who would like to share on this paragraph?
4: Jan S P M, Dana M.
0: Got gotcha. you. Dana or Dina. Dana. Dana. All right. Yes. Yeah,
5: Melissa M. Yeah, Melissa. C., thanks.
0: Uh Irene. All right. I have Janice, Dana, Melissa, and Arini. Who else? Donna G. Reggie. Diane B. I've got Donna. Wait a minute. i got Donna. Did I hear a Kim in there? All right. I've got Reggie. Uh, Reggie. All right. All right.
6: Diane B. And one
0: more. Diane Dianne. B. All right. All right. Well, that's a good that's a good lineup. So, uh I have Janice, uh Dana, Melissa, Irini, Donna, Reggie, and Diane. So, let's uh let's get going. Uh, Janice PM, you're up.
4: yes, thank you, Craig, and good morning to everyone. My name is Janice PM. I'm here in Massachusetts and I'm a grateful recovered compulsive overeater. Um yeah, the very first sentence. If That means on condition, if the circumstances, if the situation, if he doesn't want to, (laughs) if he doesn't want to see you, never, it says, never force yourself upon him. Well, that's a great direction. You know, when I first started sponsoring, I thought I was the one that was going to uh get the uh new person or the old person or the long time person get recovered uh and of course i have i surrendered to the fact i never can get them recovered they have to be powerless and then they have to you know have a higher power so there's nothing there is not a sponsor on this meeting there is not a page in the book there is nothing that's going to get me recovered or listen to anybody until my disease is going to be the persuader because the disease, my compulsive overeating is more powerful than anyone, than my sponsor, than this meeting, anything. So yeah, when they say don't force them, nobody could force me. I don't care who it was it could have been a doctor telling me you know if you don't watch your Janice, you're going to get diabetes well that lasted for about a week and I did the diet and I went to the class but uh, after that you know I still wanted to eat so it's a very good direction never 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 force or uh, the family because you can't it's impossible I mean, uh, I'm mean, I I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and I have a son that's a compulsive overeater. He sees me every day, what I do. And uh, it just doesn't work. They should, they should wait, I should wait to sponsor. I'm not here for a popularity contest that they're gonna wait for me to, to win, get them recovered because it's not gonna work. You know, we have to wait for them to be in enough pain enough desperation to say, you know what, I give up, I raise a flag, This I cannot do this anymore, and uh, they have to be in enough misery. I know what misery is, I know what it is to be miserable and have over 100 pounds to lose and try all my methods that didn't work. So the pain is the reality that we, no one can convince us but the food. And as far as a sponsor is, yeah, it's, it's difficult, but we don't want to enable them and say, you know, it's okay. You know, just do this, do this. You, you can tell, you you know, God's given us a brain to use and we can usually tell, um, you know, if they're ready or not, if they don't want to call you on time, et cetera, et cetera, they're still eating. That's how, you know, if they keep eating <laughs> and with that, I'm going to pass. Thanks.
0: All right. Thank you, Janice. Um, All right, next up we have uh, uh, Dana, followed by Melissa. Dana?
7: Thanks so much, Craig. It's Dana M. from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Um, The reading really had me thinking about um, my history and the fact that no one likes having things rammed down their throat, myself included, even if what someone is trying to attempt to ram down my throat is a blessing. Uh, No one even enjoys blessings (laughs) rammed down their throat. And frothy emotional appeal just does little to nothing, frankly, in my experience. At least it didn't for long. In fact, for me, when loved ones in the past tried to force or manipulate or guilt or shame or bargain with me to put the food down or lose weight. I just felt as if all that anyone was ever focusing on was my weight or my fat. And um, that really left me to feel so less than, um, that really that was all that I was about and all that anyone ever saw in me. Because, frankly, I couldn't meet their standard until I found program. I couldn't meet the standard uh, that my loved ones uh, set for me or what society set for me as uh, what I should look like or, you know, how I should present myself. And I'm sure it wouldn't surprise anyone on this line to know what my head's default answer was for that restlessness, irritability, and discontentedness that I felt uh, when I was feeling less then it was just natural for me to pick up, and uh, no one on this line is uh, unfamiliar, I'm sure, also with the firm resolve after I've picked up to start again tomorrow or Monday or January or whatever the first day of the whatever is, Um just doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Um, Thank goodness for program. Um, That's the bottom line for me because it was the only thing that was able to change things for me on a permanent basis instead of a temporary basis, or at least God willing, this is permanent because it's fabulous. Thank goodness for program that taught me how to do life so much better than holding my breath underwater until I couldn't anymore and picked up. Thanks so much for letting me
0: share. Okay, thank you for your share. Next up, we'll have Melissa followed by Irini, followed by Donna. Melissa C., you're up.
5: Hi, good morning, Craig. Thank you so much for your service. This is Melissa C., I'm a recovered compulsive over here and I'm from New York but I'm in Florida. Um and um yeah, like you can't force yourself onto anyone and family should not be hysterical, right? There's no hysteria and there's no begging the addict to do anything. And I you know, I think about the pleading that I've been like on the receiving end of, you know, loving pleadings of family and friends. And and others, and it was really ineffective. It, um, you know, if everyone cared so much about the recovery, then, you know, the sufferer never really has to care all that much themselves. That's sort of what it felt like. Like there was like, you know, a helping of caring <laughs> that was available, and it was all um being felt by those around me and never by me. And I think, um, you know, if hysteria and pleading would work, then that would be power, right? But I'm powerless and there is nothing that had power against this disease but one power source. And so the more um, the more I would feel that energy from people around me, and they meant really well, they loved me, um, I think if anything, it 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 drove me deeper into isolation and alienation because I could not please them. I could not do it. I I wanted to. I didn't want people on my back. You know, I don't think the addict wants the people around them to look at them with those sad puppy dog eyes. You know, or or to be fighting with them. You really do want to please everybody. You want peace ultimately. I couldn't do it, you know, and, and in my opinion, this program can't work if it's being done to shut up our family, you know, to get them off our backs, to merely please another. And, um, you know, and what the 12 steps requires is radical and extreme. And the only chance it has of working is if the sufferer fully concedes that they need the radical and the extreme and they want to recover about anything else. And so um, if others want it more, you know, then the rebellious baby, like that is within the attic, just fights and fights and fights. And, and then we um, actually, I think we make it take longer, you know, for it. And I think the best approach, Tom, cool, laid back. And so when I'm asked by people, like, talk to my daughter, she's gained so much weight, I got nothing to say but just love your daughter. Just love your daughter. Help her feel your love and acceptance. The world will inform her that she needs to change. You know, I don't think it should come from the family. And um, that's how I make my approach. Thanks. With that, I'll pass.
0: Okay. Thank you very much. Next up, we have Irini, followed by Donna, followed by Reggie. Irini.
8: Thank you, Craig, for your service. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini M. And I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Always giving credit where credit is due. So if he does not want to see you, never force yourself upon him. And here, no specific rule can be given. Sure, before recovery, I was very forceful with everybody, wanting things my way. But thank you, God, today I am recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. I'm recovered because I'm connected to the source that guides me, and therefore I can guide others with that source. Even though I'm recovered, I'm still powerless over people's willingness and what they want, let alone an addict. I have been given the power, a gift, to help others by passing the gift only if they want to be helped. If they don't desire to see me or hear what I have to say, then they already made a decision that only they can change. They need to want it badly enough and willing to receive what I have to offer. They need to be ready for change. So I can only give them a choice. I can only influence them by sharing my experience, strength, and hope. They have the choice to accept or reject help. So I let them know that I'm here and willing to be helpful and useful. So as an ex-compulsive overeater, first of all, I now have a message of depth and weight. And second, it's how I carry the message. It's not my job to convince or force anybody, but to only share my story that has this depth and weight, and only if they're willing to listen. It's not about what I want, and it's not on my time, and it's not on the family's time, or anybody else's time. It's on the addict's willingness, and it's on God's time. I remember when I didn't want any help from anyone, anybody. I wanted to stay in my disease, actually, until it was only when I was being suffocated by my thoughts and feeling hopeless and hurting myself with food. I was the only one who can decide when I am ready or not. No one can give me willingness. It had to come from me. And in the doctor's opinion, it mentions about frothy emotional appeal. You know, please stop. You're hurting yourself. Just, you know, you have a pretty face. Just push the plate away from you. And you can't force them to talk to anybody, even a sponsor. It doesn't work. Giving them advice or threatening one doesn't work. It only works when you're willing and ready to change. Thank you, and I pass.
0: Okay, Irini, thank you. Next we have Donna, followed by Reggie, and final followed by Diane. Donna.
9: Hi, this is Donna G. Grateful to be recovered in Pennsylvania. Thank you for your service today. Um, I felt led to share um i think I think when I first uh began with a vision for you, I shared this story. I'm not really sure I know I've shared it when I first began in the program, and it um I thought of it today with this reading um maybe we could place a book, maybe we could place a book. I just oh my goodness, I just remembered this um so, my dad was the patriarch of a very big family. We were a large we are we are a large family, still a large family, and he passed away um, about six years ago. Shortly before he did, he developed uh, uh, dementia as a result of Parkinson's. and um, my mother wanted to give him dignity. you know, uh, he was very headstrong and he had always been a goer, so um, and truly a leader for all of us. And so she would let him go. Um, out on his own at first when it wasn't so, so bad. But he would come home with all kinds of strange things, Um, you know, flowers he had picked from somebody's garden, you know, pillows once, just strange things. And one day he came in with a big book and a 12 and 12. They were used, and he put them on the table, and I happened to be there on a Saturday. And my mother just went ballistic on him. And he sat there. I can still see him sitting there with his shoulders all slumped over, just. So confused and scared she's she's upset, she's yelling, and where did you get those, and whose are those, and what are you doing with those and And my dad just kind of looked and he shrugged and he said, "I don't know, I just thought maybe somebody could use them and uh I, of course, being the caretaker and wanting to save him from this moment, said, "Don't worry, Dad. I'll take them to so and so, another family member, you know, who could use these. Somebody who's an alcoholic, in my opinion, at that time, right? So, I'll take them. Don't worry. Of course, I never took them. Held on to them. When another family got into a program, I offered them to this person, and they said, "Yes, I'll, I'll take them." Uh, Who would have known that eventually? i would be uh having a number of big books and uh when i first got in program that same sibling gave me my that big book back so i just feel like i just smile when i hear this because it's just he actually was he was carrying the message right and with his dementia and you know um leading us and so many have uh gotten on board um, and hopefully so many more down the road but maybe just putting a book and I think of people who uh, I know someone from my home group who goes to used bookstore and and uh, gives them offers them her used uh, big book which is not really a used big book but it's it's there and making sure the shelves are stocked with that like I just think of all the ways we could carry the message with the book Even my dad did, and that's so cool to me. I'm just smiling from ear to ear this morning. So thank you for letting me share that. With that, I'll pass.
0: Okay, Okay, Donna, thank you. Excuse me. Thank you for your share. Next up, we have Reggie, and Reggie will be followed by Diane, and then we'll take some new names. Reggie? Reggie, we're not hearing you.
10: I'm so sorry. Can I be heard now? Yes. Hello? Oh, so sorry. It took forever to
11: get on to Forgive me. Thank you so much, Craig, for your service today on the meeting and everyone else who is giving their service. Uh, I'm Reggie, and I'm in Brooklyn, and I am an overeater, and I'm gratefully in recovery in this program. I'm glad, uh, glad to be on the meeting. I've been away from – I'm still a newcomer. Um, I started in this program back in the summer, mm-hmm. and then because I was working two other programs fell away. This reading was powerful. I've been thinking a lot about humility, which I looked up yesterday and was disappointed to find that it meant basically groveling. But I discovered that it came from the root um, was the earth. And so I think to myself, okay, how can I be like the earth? And uh, I'm thinking about the people who wrote this book and who wrote these words that we're reading today and they were trying to be like the earth and they were trying to find the most fertile soil with, within to grow this, um, this, uh, this message. And this idea of how can I be spiritually fit? How can I be spiritually fit? It seems to boil down to that. Um, the addict uh, with um, myself as an addict living a life of unmanageability living in my own hysteria, I am prone to bring that sense of unmanageability and hysteria into everything I do. And it seems to me that these words are reminding me to stay humble, to stay humble and to stay aware of my part, what I can possibly do in sharing the message and if setting a book aside is the most that I can do, then that's the most that I can do. Um, As people were speaking, I was thinking about what I was going to say, but even in that, heard so much wisdom and so grateful to uh,
0: to have heard those shares. Thank you
11: for listening, and with that, I pass.
0: Okay, thank you, Reggie. Next up, we have Diane, and then we'll take some new names. Diane?
6: Good morning, Craig. Good morning, everyone. Um, This is Diane B. in New Rochelle, New York. Excuse me. And uh, when I was reading this, I was thinking about that I get very excited when I'm working with another compulsive eater, and I'm excited because I get to – I am hopefully helping them to find the solution that I found but i have to remember that in my zeal to be helpful and to spread this message of hope i can't make someone want it um neither can i tell them what to do or dictate what they're willing to do um you know when i when i was doing the work i was wanting to do it as fast as i can and as much as i can i would do whatever my sponsor told me to do um because i was ready and i was ready to do to do whatever it took to get recovered um so when I'm reading this, I'm thinking, so is my prospect willing to go to any length? Um, I can't guide them unless they are, and that's where that big if that we heard about earlier comes in. Um, I also think that, I'm not sure if this is true, but in my opinion, I think that it's harder for the newcomer because they haven't tasted sobriety yet. And I know in my own experience that, I've had it. I've had recovery. I've been recovered, and then I relapsed. And for me, I think there was more motivation um, after the relapse because I knew what that tasted like. I knew what recovery tasted like. I knew what sobriety felt like. Um, I I knew that I could be happy, joyous, and free. Whereas when I was a newcomer, I didn't really understand all of it, and I didn't have it all. Um, you know, but that was my experience, and um, I just have to remember that sometimes I have to put the reins on myself, um, because I'm zealous, and I'm excited, and I want it to happen for other people. However, I can't make that happen for other people. That's in God's control. So, um, anyway, thank you for your service, and with that, I pass.
0: <coughs> okay, thank you, Diane. All right, so um, who else would like to a- Like to share on this paragraph.
8: Christina R. Larry K. Christina J. Wait a minute.
0: Uh, The first little knot of people I didn't hear names.
8: Linda R.
12: Christina J.
13: Elena C. Who was that? Elena
0: C. Elena. I'm thinking I'm missing a name. I've got Linda R., uh, Christina, uh, Larry, Elena. Who did I
14: miss? Melissa P. (laughs) Melissa P. Stacy J.
4: Stacy
0: J. Anita B. All right, let's stop there. Anita B. I have uh, Linda R., Christina uh, R., I think it is, Larry K., Elena, Melissa, Stacy, and Anita. So, uh, Linda, let's get going.
15: Thank you so much, and thanks for your service today and for everyone on the line. This is Linda R. Recovered in South Florida, and just so grateful to the program and the fellowship. I love this part of the big book. You know, for me, recovery, you know, is just a full-time job. It's like it must be my focus. I cannot rest on my laurels. And, you know, when I sponsor someone, I am just so grateful because through the experience of my program, I've really gotten a program of depth and weight, like, when I first came in, it was really very just rote. It was very robotic. Like, when I came in a long time ago, and I got it very, very structured, very, you know, sharing with one of my sponsees today that, you know, she just she picked up a new person. And, you know, making those phone calls every day. She put her name on the uh, vision yesterday, and I had really forgotten this. But when I first came in, my sponsor said, you have to make three phone calls a day, one to your sponsor, and to three other fellows in the program And I remember, you know, I make a lot of phone calls, but I'm just saying a lot of times when I give that assignment to my sponsees, they fall short. And it's so crucial to keep that, you know, umbilical cord connection with the fellowship throughout the day so I can remember who I am. Um, I just uh, love the program. And I think that, you know, if we don't really make it top gun in our, in our day, then, you know, we'll fall short and we'll really, you know, won't remember where we came from. So, um, Again, I'm just so grateful that I'm a sponsor and that I can give it back. I have something really substantial to give today and that I will just keep doing this one day at a time. It has to be the focus of my life and my main, you know, connection with my higher power and that cultivation. Thank you for allowing me to share.
0: Okay. Uh, thank you, Linda. Next we have Christina, and I think it's R. Uh, Christina?
12: Yeah, hi, Craig. <clears throat> it's actually Christina J. and that's fine. You hear so many names. How can you pick them all out? Anyway, I'm from the state of Washington recovering. And, uh, you know, I see a lot of people in and out of meetings and on the streets that are suffering. I mean, I don't know if they're suffering, but they look like they're suffering. And uh, my heart breaks. And I just want to run over and say, look, look, here's what you do, let's, you know, let's get going and call me and here's Visions Line and here's an OA meeting and da-da-da-da-da. But, you know, when I was walking around in my disease, I was ashamed and embarrassed. And I remember someone coming up to me after I'd lost some weight and said, oh, you lost a lot of weight, and I was embarrassed because I thought, wow, they used to see me when I was fat and they used to judge me and I went into all this stuff. So when I went to my first OA meetings, um, I felt comforting, you know, it was a very comfortable meeting, I felt very comforted and loved, and then, then one afternoon, uh, a woman came up to me after the meeting, and she just was really angry, and got in my face, or, you know, I took it as anger, because she was so forceful, and she said, you've got to lose weight, you've got a beautiful face, your life is passing you by, you're ruining your life, you've got to lose weight, and I angry and scared and fearful and i was i went home and i was shaking because all of my life i was sensitive anyway about my looks always trying to lose weight always trying to be acceptable you know i had a built-in insecurity thing and i just was never confident so to put weight on was an absolutely horrible thing on top of my already insecure nature um You know, I could go on and on about how different people in my life expected me to be bone thin and my husband and all this and always trying to reach this goal of being perfect and lovable and um, never could. So this paragraph and the fact that we're reminded a couple times now that this person is a sick person. I have to remember how sick I was. I was so sick in my insecurities and my need for love and in my embarrassment and shame of being heavy. I mean, back then, even 10 pounds was an affront to my ability to be secure in myself. But then as I got to 80 and near 100 pounds, oh, my God, (laughs) I was hiding in big clothes. And, boy, if someone came up to me and said, you're just fat, you know, or whatever, I just was trying to walk around like everything was okay. You know, so many of us know that, trying to walk around like everything was okay. So, um, for someone to plead with me, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to hear that woman's message of really hard, tough love. So I just am reminded to be very careful when I take on a newcomer here um, and just gently move into this work and not try to, I'm going to finish up here, say too much too soon. I can't be anxious because it's going to spoil it and they might run away from me. So thank you for letting me share, and I pass
0: okay thank you and next up we have larry k followed by elena larry
10: hi craig thanks so much for your service um larry k recovered from chicago you know for some reason this makes this paragraph makes me think of um parenting
2: you know you may be on the line
10: you you know you have a teenager a troubled teenager you know and um you know what, what can we do to help our child be ready for the you know the challenges ahead and you know, there's a number of things, some easy, some not so easy, but n- none of them requiring superhuman skills. You know, they, I'm reminded, let, you know, let my child fail. Yeah, I, I know, I, I, you know, we've heard it before, but, but if we let it sink in, all of us parents know we need to do this, and all of us at the same time hate letting our children fail. It just gets us to the, you know, to the core of our, our heart. And even so, we know, you know, deep down that setbacks in life are inevitable. There's going to be challenges. There's, you know, things that they're going to face and, and, and they're going to fail and they're going to get knocked down on their backside. And I want to be supportive but not enabling. You know, when my, when my teenager, well, she's not a teenager anymore, when she's fallen short in some way, you know, I want to provide support and perspective, right? You know, when when life when life has dealt her a, a cruel hand in some way, I want to be a, a shoulder they can lean on, but I don't want to treat her as a victim. You know, and in the same way, this this paragraph gives me good guidance. You know, let 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 the person fail. I I, I can be a shoulder that if they want to see me but I don't want to enable them. I don't want them to begin to feel as though they're a victim. There is a way out, you know, and, and when that person's ready, I don't need to be over anxious to throw all my can't my proverbial candy on the table, tell them everything I know and everything I've experienced, you know, being over anxious will probably set them back. I may spoil a later opportunity you know, for them to, uh, to, 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 to have an opportunity to change, to transform. So can I have the courage to let, you know, let someone fail for the moment, temporarily? Can I let that, can I, allow, can I have the courage, can I have the humility to allow them to fail for a time? That takes, uh, that takes a great deal of courage for us to do because inherent in our, as human beings, um, you know, at our core, we want to alleviate pain. You know, I don't have the power to do that. Grateful for this program. Thanks, Craig. I'll pass. All right.
0: Thank you, Larry. Next up, we have Elena, and followed by Melissa. Elena? Good
13: morning, everyone. This is Elena C. from Greenville, South Carolina, and I am so grateful to be listening to this re- uh, phone meeting. You guys are absolutely amazing, and it's just making my day. And I want to say that, um this paragraph is really good for me because it's a reminder of um like I heard Harlan say in one of his um talk that there's a cosmic timing, a cosmic timing, and a spiritual awakening happening in the cosmic timing of everyone and um when I when I try to interfere with that, I end up hurting the person, depriving the person from their own journey, their own lessons, their relationship with their higher power, of their understanding. And I'm not a higher power, you know. And the powerlessness over food, um, in, in the big book, is I learn is um powerlessness over others powerlessness over other journey and here's the thing that ends up hurting me too when I kind of like get into that and I heard somewhere interference into fear you know it's it's this um, lack of synchronicity in the universe and in it that can happen in between people And I just need to keep reminding of that because, you know, there's a lot of times when I believe I'm powerful, I'm powerful, and I can make a change in the lives of others. The only thing is, the only piece is, they're not ready for that, you know, and maybe I'm just not the person to hear that from. And it's just a good reminder for that, and I will pass. Thank you.
0: Caught me off guard. Thank you very much. Next up we have uh, Melissa followed by Stacy followed by Anita.
16: Hey good morning Craig. Good morning visionaries. Thank you for your service this morning. This is Melissa P from Buffalo. You know I didn't think I had anything to say this morning and that's part of my recovery is knowing when to listen and something kind of popped into my head. Um. I turned 36 on Friday, and uh, when I was 23, I had gastric bypass, and I thought that that was the answer to all my problems. Um, Fast forward a few years later, and my husband and I battled infertility, and after having my miracle, um, you know, I sat there at 330 pounds looking at this little baby that I thought was, you know, here to fix my life. Um, not really knowing that I had a God-sized hole in my spirit and in my soul. Um, And I remember carrying my son his infant carrier back to my gastric bypass doctor because I wanted another gastric bypass. I didn't want to have this miracle in front of me um, and be fat, you know, and miss out on all of those things. And, you know, everything I tried, right, doctor's opinion, Everything I tried didn't work Um, and they make you meet with a nutritionist first and I remember this girl sitting across from me telling me that the chances of it not working are high, the chances that I would need to wear adult diapers were high, um, you know, and that it would have to be a lifestyle change because of all the side effects from a second gastric bypass. And I'm thinking to myself, as I look at my son in diapers, like there would be two of us because I can't control my eating, you know, and, and during infertility, I wrote I will be done on our bathroom mirror, knowing nothing about, you know, program, just knowing that I needed God, um. you know, and so my husband, I remember driving home and I was crying, thinking that this wasn't going to work. And my husband said, well, you know what, you went to God before. Why don't you go to God again. You know, and it and it gave me chills to think like, oh, I never thought about that before. You know, that I had a miracle in the back seat and you know, is this what it would take as a miracle? Um, you know, and nothing that anyone could have told me was gonna change my mind from binging after a hard day of work or, you know, putting all the workout pictures on Facebook and then eating in secret and crying. Um you know, and so I came to my first OA meeting and someone had turned me on to vision and I shared, um, you know, that I was looking for more resources because we don't have face-to-face meetings here. And I turned on a podcast, of Ginger's, and I dropped to my knees and I cried because there was my story, right? So many of us think we're so unique. Um, and and I'm here. I'm still coming back. I just celebrated a year and and it's a miracle because I went to God. But... There was nothing that anyone was going to tell me about Melissa's problem that was going to make me want to change. You know, I had to hear the recovery on this line and hear the recovery on the recordings and see a different type of look in people's eyes when I get to talk to them, Um, you know, that we're walking miracles. And that's all it is, is every day I just have to show up as a recovered person and thank God and, you know, hopefully spark that in someone else. And when they're ready, they'll come. So thank you so much. Have a great day, everyone. With that, I'll pass.
0: All right, thanks, Melissa. Next we have Stacy J, followed by Anita B. Stacy,
16: thank
14: you, Craig. This is Stacy J, recovered food addict in Toronto, Canada. Um, when I read this paragraph now, uh, I've been abstinent for five months after about twelve years of relapse, terrible relapse, and giving up on myself, giving up on OA. Many times over, um what I think about here, my family had known had known I had been in o a but they weren't trying to persuade me to go to o a uh they don't understand the mechanism of addiction, so my brother's advice to me in a pleading kind of way, as gently as he could was like, you know, maybe you could like exercise every day." <laughs> and and that was very tentative because i know he was worried about hurting my feelings and i did hurt my feelings actually and um and i had a resentment for uh, towards him that i had to cover in step 4 for that little remark um as others have said we are sensitive people um but something in me because it was the first time he had ever actually said anything uh it it i don't know what it was but this time i felt more desperate than ever. And so, uh, my sponsor did not approach me. Uh, I approached my sponsor and, and if anything, there was a bit of reticence in my sponsor's tone of like, is she ready? And that's a reasonable, that's a reasonable question. Um, and, and so, you know, when instructions were given, I followed them willingly and happily because I thought to myself, each step I take here is a step away from the food and a step away from this misery and the ever sinking feeling and despair and self-loathing. And, uh, and that's exactly what it's been. And now working with sponsees, you know, I have a sponsee who just told me that she told her family that she's not eating uh, cake anymore. And her son, her grown son pleaded with her in the reverse saying, come on, mom, You know, this sounds extreme. You should be able to have a piece of cake on your birthday. And here, she didn't have to persuade him, but she knew deep down she can't do that anymore because she spent a lifetime uh, losing that battle. And that's how it's been for me. And so no one had to persuade me. No one has to persuade her. And that willingness, I feel like, is the only thing that makes us Really listen to what we're asked to do and do it without without a fight. And uh, just so grateful that I finally got here because cause it could have been many more years of uh, of misery, and it's not today. And uh, I just feel so grateful for this recovery. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Stacy. Next, we're going to have Anita B. And I think that'll probably take us to the end. Uh, Anita, you're up.
17: Good morning. Yes, thank you. This is Anita B. Here from New Jersey. So grateful to be on this line today. God is so good. Um, I have recently uh, gone into 10, 11, and 12 in my recovery and picked up a couple sponsors, and I'm so grateful to have learned today not to be pushy, not to be demanding, not to shove this down someone's throat because I know it works. Uh, I know somebody always says the only thing we can do is recover, 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 but uh, I had a fourth step that i struggled with for years and years and years i could not figure out how did i what was my part in this woman having such ill feelings towards me after us after being good friends with her for so long but this morning uh, god showed me it was because i was pushing this down her throat when i didn't even know what i was doing myself and that i hurt her feelings. She wasn't ready and she may never be ready. Maybe she's not even a compulsive overeater, Um, you know, but I now know my part in that, which is going to help me even with my sponsorship. So I'm just so grateful for this program and what it teaches me about myself and about how to treat others and how to go about my day. So I'm really grateful to be on the line this morning and I thank everyone for sharing. It's helped me so much, so thanks. And with that, I'll pass thanks.
0: Okay, well, with that, we have less than a minute, so we're gonna go ahead and call the ball here. Um, thank, uh, Thank you to everyone who shared today. Uh, Please join us uh, for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today's date for this meeting is 14135. That's 14,135. We're now going to close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will uh, Arini M., Please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only through Keep You Until Then. Irene?
8: Yes, yes. Thank you, Craig, um, with great honor and pleasure. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation